0: Welcome to season one, episode four of the All Things Freelance Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Walrack, and today we have the pleasure of chatting with Amber Petty. Amber is a freelance writer who used to be an actress, um, and she's been published in many of the biggest publications in the U.S., um, MTV, The New York Times, Thrillist Bustle, you name it. It's safe to say that she's cracked the code when it comes to getting published, and she's not keeping it a secret she launched a 10-week course called Freelance Writing for Creatives, and she teaches new students how they can get published, many of whom have never even had any writing samples. So um, since January of 2021, she's had her students appear in Huffington Post, Vox, BuzzFeed, and many more. Um, So one of the things that she says that holds back many of the writers at first is trying to wait for that perfect pitch idea. Um, So today we're going to talk about overcoming perfectionism and a lot of other interesting stuff about the pitching process. So let's get started. Amber, thanks so much for coming on. To get started, can you tell us a bit about how you see perfectionism holding back up and coming
1: writers? Oh sure. So I think a lot of times when people get stuck on ideas or what to do or uh what they should pitch to people, it's usually not that you don't have any ideas. That's pretty rare that that really happens. It's just that you automatically assume your ideas are bad or not good enough or not, you know, nobody's going to want them. And it's not always that dramatic. You know, we're not always like in the full throes of I'm the worst in the world. But <laughs> There is that tendency you have to kind of be aware of, of brushing off your ideas. So even if you're trying to think of ideas and brainstorming new topics, it's not always going to be like, oh, I hate this. But like that little voice that says, well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Is that really enough? It's, uh, It's a little more dangerous, that kind of voice, because it doesn't feel as overtly critical or uh, has so much criticism to it. So often that's what's happening is that you have ideas, but you're brushing so many away before they ever get a chance. And you just never know when it comes to pitching ideas. So I've seen students pitch things and they had no previously published stuff. They just had something on medium or sometimes they didn't have anything at all. And when editors want to publish something, they're not necessarily looking for the greatest writer in the world or the person with the most experience ever. They're really just looking for an idea that fits what they need, which means that lots more people have a chance to get started. And they're happy to give chances to people who maybe don't have as many bylines because they're only you know, they're working with you for one story. So they're not going to be working with you for years and years. If you're applying for a job, the worst thing that happens is this one story doesn't work out. That's like a pretty low risk. They like your idea and your idea fits. They are inclined to use it. And so I encourage people to take those ideas. If you have an idea you absolutely don't like, that's fine. Don't pitch it. That's, That's okay. We all have ideas that don't go anywhere. But some of those ideas in the middle where you just think, well, is this good enough? Does this represent me as a writer? Is this the most unique thing that's ever been? That's a very high bar to put on any kind of story. So instead is just, is this a helpful idea? Is this something that's worth two minutes of somebody's time? Since that's usually the amount of time we spend reading things online, it's something where two minutes of time, usually the answer is, yeah. I easily spent two minutes on a quiz, you know, to learn which Game of Thrones character I was years after Game of Thrones was even over. <laughs> yeah, I think two minutes of your probably very helpful ideas, absolutely worthwhile. So I think it's helpful just to look out for how often you brush off ideas before they get a chance, and then occasionally giving those ideas a chance by pitching them to an editor, you often are surprised what will get picked up. And as that happens, it just makes the whole process easier. You know, if you're brushing off fewer of your ideas, giving them more of a chance, you're just increasing your chances of having something published sometimes like tenfold.
0: Yeah. And so, and to give the audience a little bit uh, more background on kind of your area of expertise. So Um, You've been a freelance writer published in huge publications like the New York Times. And so you kind of you have insight into what these larger publications are looking for um, and how writers can kind of break into them even when they're brand new. So this would be for writers who are interested in getting
1: into these publications
0: versus, say, cold pitching, like a, a business owner, right? Yeah.
1: So it's more tailored to definitely for publications where it's everything from a small blog. That's maybe not the biggest deal to, you know, major things like the New York times or the Washington post or Huffington post and things like that. So often I do feel like you can apply similar rules of, try more clients than you might think you're qualified for, you know, in that same kind of vein, if you're pitching to, uh, clients for copywriting work or social media management, or that sort of slightly more marketing side of the business, but yeah, more specifically, um, for when it comes to just getting a byline and having your name on something online that also pays you then, yeah, that's definitely where I'm more knowledgeable. Okay.
0: And for writers who are just kind of getting started, how powerful would you say that it is having a byline in one of these publications?
1: I mean, it's a big deal for a lot of reasons. So is it going to like change your life overnight? You know, no, it's, it's not a thing where you even get a byline in your favorite place. And it's like, hello, I'm Hollywood. Here's a million (laughs) million dollars for a new idea. You know, That kind of stuff. (laughs) Yes, hello. I'm famous. Um, can I have the money, please? Oh, yes, of course. You're on their famous list. Um, so that doesn't happen, but it's a big deal in a lot of other ways. So, one, it does show editors that you uh it shows you're writing in a very public place. So it now shows you know how to work with an editor, you know how to um be on time and use deadlines and all that kind of stuff. So that does a lot of work for you of kind of just showing your abilities to other editors down the line. You also never know who's going to read something you do write. So you might write something in a small place that gets picked up by a lot of other people. You might write something in a big place that goes crazy and goes everywhere. You never know, but you're automatically broadening the amount of people that know that you right things for a living and sometimes that alone can lead to more work and even when that doesn't happen it still just gives you you know if someone does have a see a pitch and they see somebody's written for um the new york times or something it does help a little bit of course because it simply shows that they've probably been around for a while and Even when you're getting published in smaller places, it just shows that you are working, that you are working with editors, and that just only makes the process easier. And it also proves to yourself that you are doing this right. You know, it proves to yourself that you can do it. You got paid. People are reading what you're writing. And if you got one yes from somebody, it means you can get more. And that's kind of like the biggest. Advantage really is just kind of that if you're when you're feeling low or when you're feeling, you know, we all have times where we feel like we're not great writers or, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. And those bylines just remind you that you already are doing it. And that's an example of more things to come.
0: Yeah. So for writers who are going for their first byline and they're not sure where to start. Or who to email, or what to say. Yeah. Um, what what advice would you have for them for breaking in?
1: Well, it's a lot simpler than it seems for the most part. So, most any publication accepts pitches from anyone, and it's not because like they're so kind uh, and they just want to help all the poor writers of the world. No, they run a business that needs a lot of content, so they need a lot of story ideas. So yes, you'll find some places that don't take pitches, but for the most part, every place does. No publication has such a huge staff that they can't possibly take a freelance pitch. Like that's exceedingly rare. So any newspaper, magazine, those guaranteed take freelancers. And then for online publications, the vast majority of them do as well. So they're open to anything. And sometimes students get really scared because they're just like, well, if I don't have any samples or I haven't done this before, am I going to embarrass myself by emailing an editor? Are they going to you know, think I'm nuts? Are they going to tell me I'm crazy and tell them to never email again? And that happens 0% of the time because editors aren't kind of... We can sometimes picture them as like sitting behind a fancy desk with like glasses on just with a red pen just waiting to yeah. like tell everybody they're terrible. <laughs> yeah. And that's not what they're doing at all. They're saying, "I need story ideas. If you email me, you're helping me do my job." Right. You're not asking, "Hey, give, do me a favor. Please let me write here." No, it's not a favor. It's a part of their job. They require stories from people. So, thinking of it that way can help. And then what you want to do is you want to find the editor's email address, their professional email address, find the editor of the part of the publication you're pitching to. If it's a smaller publication, there might be one or two editors total. Other ones will have, if you're pitching to TV, you'd pitch the TV editor. Pitching to culture, you pitch the culture editor, like that. And you can find their names in the masthead if you search the publication plus masthead in Google. You'll usually find all the editors' names. Sometimes you find the emails right there. Uh, Some places do have submission information that's very clear of exactly how to submit. A lot of places don't have that. So if they don't and they don't have the editor's email right there, then you just take it one step further and find it. So you can look on... Sometimes you can just... Google it straight up and find it. Uh, But a good place to find editor emails I found is actually Twitter. So look up that editor in their Twitter page. And often in their Twitter bio, they have their email address. So Twitter, if that doesn't work, LinkedIn sometimes also works. So that part can be kind of annoying, you know, finding the editor's info. But it's not weird. They're not mad at you for emailing. And once you find it, and especially once you start doing this a few times, it starts to get easier. And then you can just email from there and email a pitch with your idea in two to three paragraphs and why that idea is important right now. And then just a line or two about yourself and link to something you've done. So It doesn't have to be, it can be something you write yourself and put on medium. That's fine. It's just, they just want to see something of your writing.
0: And do you include a price with that or does that come later?
1: No, that comes later. Um, Usually the editor will then, if when they want your idea, they'll usually give you a rate or an idea of a rate then, or sometimes they'll ask you for your rate um, at that point. So that's done afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely do the rate afterwards. Doing it before would be a little odd. Again, they wouldn't. If you've done that in the past, it's not a problem. <laughs> but that that's not very common. That's not how it goes. Okay.
0: So, or what should writers expect as far as like how many pitches they need to send before they get a yes? How many no's should they be prepared for?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, you do have to be prepared for a lot of no's. Uh, that is a fact. And that's true for everybody, even i mean unless you're actually famous but otherwise it's uh you're going to get a lot of no's so it can really depend i've i have had students that get their first pitch accepted uh which does happen sometimes and i tend to find people get their first yes around like 5 to 10 that's kind of the average i've definitely known people that pitch like 20 times or sometimes 30 times before they get their first yes. So it can be in that sort of range. Um, Oddly, I find that it comes in little waves where you'll have batches where like three pitches get picked up, you know, of 10 you send and then another like, oh, now 20 went by with (laughs) no's. Oh, now another couple got picked up. So it really varies, but I would say like one in 20 is a good kind of number to to think about. Okay. So
0: it's good to go into it with that kind of expectation and not to get down on yourself.
1: Yeah. And that's another reason to not, you know, wait until you have like the best or the perfect idea is because that perfect idea could be wrong for a publication for many reasons that you have no, you would have no idea about. They may have just done a story like that. Maybe they did a story last year that didn't perform well. So we're not doing those anymore. Maybe, you know, it's like all that kind of stuff you have no information about. So the more you can just try a bunch of your ideas, then your chances are going to be so much better. And that wonderful big idea you have, that has a great chance too. Absolutely. But if you have more pitches out, it also just helps. So you're not sitting and waiting to hear back about one thing and kind of have all your eggs in that basket when you pitch just a little bit more, it just diffuses all that worry.
0: Yeah. Whenever I'm waiting on an answer for something, I always just go and plant more seeds just to put my (laughs) mind at ease. It's like, I don't want to be banking too much on that one thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's like, what a great habit to do of like, Hey, I'm sitting here really worried about this one thing. Well, (laughs) instead of just worrying some more about it, let me kind of distract myself with, doing more pitches. Yeah. Doing things that, my
0: odds, things. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what would you say are some common like pitfalls or mistakes that writers should avoid?
1: I think that the biggest thing, I mean, what's kind of funny is I've talked to lots of editors, worked with editors, watched many talks with them, all that kind of stuff. And they always say is that you want to have a, you know, you want to have a story and not a topic in your pitch, and that's what they see the most. Where people might pitch something really big or kind of vague, that's much harder for them to say yes to. If you have a specific angle, then that just gives them such a better idea. And so, usually, it's just a matter of being more specific tends to help. And I've had students, once she pitched an idea that was to Thrillist, I believe, that was, you know, um, 10 movies to watch to sort of replicate film school. It was something like that. And there was these Criterion movies. And so that's a really specific idea for that kind of movie list. And then the editor's like, I like that idea. Can this actually just be 10 classic films? (laughs) She actually made it more broad, the editor. But by coming in with such a specific angle... It just gives the editor a better idea of where you're coming from. And then broadening it out is much easier than if you say, I want to make a list of good movies. You know, that's like, well, I don't even know where to start with that because that's so broad. So a lot of times that sounds really basic, but that's the thing editors say the most that they just get too broad of ideas. So specificity is great.
0: It makes sense. And I think that's such a good tip, Um, especially with there's just so much content out there on the internet now that, you know, it's hard to come up with a topic that's original and that hasn't been done.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of times uh, it doesn't have to be, yeah, because if you look for originality, then that's going to be tough because everything has been done. But- a specific kind of take or a specific piece of a larger idea, that's not always done. And also how you are going to do it is going to be different. So sometimes, and because there's ongoing content, it means there's new information. So sometimes an article from two years ago, there are different things you could add to that if you were writing it today. So, pitching with the new information in mind or a different angle or from a different point of view, even if it's an idea that's been online a bunch, you know, that's still, people are still going to want it.
0: Yeah. And what would you say is a good idea to kind of research or brainstorm to come up with ideas for a
1: specific um, publication? I think that one thing that's good to remember is that you cannot predict if somebody is going to take an idea or not. You can't, no matter like how much you research and plan, you never know until you try it. And the one bar it really has to clear is just, do I think this is a good idea? (laughs) And having some trust in yourself of an idea, if you thought it was interesting or helpful like that's enough to try you know that's enough to try it then you can also see um if that ties to something timely that's going on great that's going to increase your chances of an article getting picked up if it's talking about a season or a topic or a movie release or just something that's happening now or in the near future that's always increases things so to brainstorm your own ideas. It's great to look at some of the publications you like and just notice what are the things they tend to cover and what are the things they haven't been covering recently. And sometimes in those gaps you naturally find, you will think of great ideas. Uh, Another basic one I like to do is just like look at your internet search history because if you've been looking for an answer for something or there's been something you've been searching about, it means other people have been searching that too. So an answer to that question or an exploration of that question or an, you know, an angle on that, um, that can be a great idea. And you don't have to be the ultimate expert in order to talk about it. As the writer, remember that you're just you have the idea and you're combining the information. So like I've been looking for, uh, you know, scrubs, uh, scalp scrubs lately, and I've been having a hard time finding them. If I wanted to pitch something about scalp scrubs, do they even work at all? Are they worthwhile? Or should you put oil on a scalp for oily scalp? Any of those kind of skincare questions for scalp? Cause I don't see as many of those stories yet. It's a, I imagine there's other people like me, right? So I'm not a, doctor. I'm not a dermatologist, but I know that I could do research and talk to specialists in that field, use their quotes. And with that information, I would be able to write an article about it. So that's where you can take questions where even if you don't know the answers yourself, you're a great writer. You can find those answers and how you put them together. That's what's going to be helpful to a publication. Yeah, And so that's a totally pitchable idea.
0: Yeah. A lot of great suggestions in there. And I know for me, I've considered, I do mostly copywriting and blog and article writing, um, for companies, but some publications, but, um, I think it's common to wonder what publications should I pitch and which ones pay and where can I find, you know, like, a big collection of these or do I have to research it? And so I saw that you have a resource for that, right?
1: I do. Yeah. I have a list of two, it's a little over 250 places that take pitches and pay and they all pay from a realm of like $30 at the lowest to, you know, some can even pay thousands of dollars, but The range tends to kind of be from like $100 to $600 is the most likely per article. Um, So yeah, so that's a big list I have that I update all the time. And there's different niches. And for the most part, it directs you right to that masthead. So you can find that editor name quickly. Or some of them have that submission info that just tells you everything to do. And so I link to that as well. So yeah, that's a free thing anybody if you like, can get, it's just at amberpetty.com slash 250. But yeah, that's a a thing that uh, I think hopefully has helped a bunch of people so far, yeah. but it's a good starting point at least. And it's a good reminder of like, there's a lot out there. Yeah. What an amazing resource.
0: I'm going to check it out for sure. And I think it will yeah. help a lot of the writers listening and I'll include a link to that below the podcast too, to make it easy oh, to great. find. And if, if writers want to, you know, follow you on social media, learn more from you, what's the best way to do that?
1: The best way to do it probably is to get on my newsletter where I send out writing jobs every week. So twice a week, I send out open writing jobs that are available and give tips or links uh, about other freelance stuff. And so that's totally free. You can find that on my website at amberpetty.com or if you want to follow me I'm on Instagram at Amber ambernpetty it's i uh, I'm not always active sometimes I'm really active who knows <laughs> you'll see when I you'll see when you see me there but um I'm the newsletter is very uh, very active so if uh you're curious about what writing jobs are out there or just looking for more tips and all that kind of stuff, then I I highly recommend it.
0: Perfect. And now I'll link to that below too. And well, thank you so much for coming on. Is there any final things or final thoughts that you'd like to share with writers who, you know, might want to get into pitching, but, um, are feeling a little bit nervous or just haven't really stepped over that threshold to send their first pitch?
1: Yeah. Well, I just encourage you to try. And I, I tell people this sometimes of editors, you know, we think a pitch has got to be so good. Editors are only looking for the most experienced writers. That's what we tend to think, right? Like, Oh, I couldn't possibly just reach out to them, but editors regularly of all kinds of places. I've seen Washington post recently, big places will go on Twitter to ask for ideas. And so think to yourself, if they only wanted the best people in the world, Do you think they would ask all of random Twitter for ideas? They wouldn't because Twitter's going to they're going to get some they're going to get some less than good ideas by reaching out to all of Twitter as a whole. But that's how much they need ideas. So, like, I guarantee you have a better idea than that random person on Twitter who's uh, just going to clap back at them with uh, a bunch of nonsense. You absolutely have something more interesting to say. So you're never going to embarrass yourself. If you pitch, you never know what can happen. And it's just really worth a try.
0: And that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Amber, for coming on. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I hope that you found this super helpful And you'll be able to find um, Amber's resource with a list of publications in the comment section. Until next time, enjoy your writing.